There's a process that I take to getting a dog to pick up a goose. And it's not by saying, you're going to do it, goddammit, or I'm putting the pressure on. I'm lighting you up. I'm pinching your ears. I'm... No, 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 no. Not necessary. Absolutely not necessary. Welcome back. Uh, got a episode here for you today that's a little bit different than the ones that we've done in the past. Um, I guess there's some similarities to it in that it's actually from a YouTube message. Like we've made a pretty conscious effort of using our YouTube channel the last few years as a, it's a tool I think that allows us to share different types of information in a different way, probably to different users as well than the traditional social platforms like Instagram and Facebook and um, TikTok and I guess the podcast even is maybe a social media platform. But because it's so video driven, we've just really poured a lot into the idea of documenting as much stuff as we can, being as candid as we can. Um, some of it out there, some of it is you know built on series. Uh, we're doing one right now with Makina, our little, our little setter puppy. Um, we've done a bunch of them over the years on specific dogs. I think they're valuable. I think those things are valuable because they tell the story of one specific, um, dog and, in, in situations that apply. And then if you watch them all, you, you see differences. And so you recognize that not everything is the same and my approach isn't always the same. And another thing that we use it for is we share some, I would say some I don't know that we do as much short stuff on YouTube, but there are some shorter, shorter things that we do. Um, we're trying to, we try to continue to keep it fresh and mix it up a bit, but some of it is longer. When we filmed our first, some of our first, I guess they weren't our first DVDs, but they were our first ones that we produced on our own. Um, early on, we partnered with Gundog Magazine, who we do stuff, we still do stuff with Gundog. I write for them. We did a couple series of videos, uh, DVDs with them. Then we went and did our own. And when we were doing those, uh, we started filming a, a, a shed training video. And as part of that process, I, you know, retrieving is important, obviously. And we get into the idea of like th that part of it when it comes to the shed antlers. <clears throat> but we also, I started talking about hold conditioning and the idea of we just started filming it. Well, it ends up by the time it was edited, um, the video, the shed video finished out about three and a half hours long, um, chaptered out and in, in somewhat sequenced, I would say. But hold conditioning was um, originally a part of that, and and we'll talk about hold conditioning more specifically. Hold condition. We've done a lot of podcasts on hold conditioning. I've answered a ton of questions on it. We've done a lot of talking about it. Um, and it's a terminology thing. Uh, that's how I learned it. it, was being called hold conditioning. But it, it became that segment or that part of the video was, was, I took it out because it was an hour long in itself. So it made the video four and a half hours long and that was just too long. Uh, for, it, the DVD format couldn't, couldn't do it that way with one with a single disc. So we pulled it out. And at that point I said, well, let's just sell it as a separate training video. It's an hour long. Uh, most of the videos that are out on the market are less than an hour to begin with. So I, I didn't think it, I didn't think it was necessarily out of question to have that. But 
then I started thinking about it and I went, and we did sell it actually for a while. I think we sold it for, I think it was like 10 bucks or something um, because it was a little bit smaller video, hour, 50, 50 some minutes long. But then I said, I changed my mind on it because we got so many questions about it. And, and really what it is, is it was a, uh, an effort on, our, on my part to try to um, emphasize or, or share the ability to use that process and not have to force fetch, not have to do trained retrieve, not have to do, uh, I'm not sure what, there's so many different um, ways of describing it. And again, that's a terminology thing that I don't like the idea of um, pinching ears, pinching toes, um, creating a dog's behavior based on um, fear or avoidance. Um, using pressure, which I think is unnecessary. So that was the whole... So then I started thinking about it and I went, well, there's so many people that don't want to do force fetch. And I'll just... We'll just call it force fetch right now, but fill in the blank, however you want to describe it. And you'll, you'll understand more about that when I get into this question. But the idea of, can I get good results? Can I get a reliable retrieve from my dog? without the need for the force fetch process. And so after thinking about it, I said, I just think it's so important that we're not gonna charge for it. We're gonna make it free. We actually have it downloadable on our website for free. Um, we also have it, we put it on YouTube for free. So it's kind of, it's, an, it's, an, it's a better production video, uh, especially for early on when we were doing stuff, it was very good production in comparison to a lot of the stuff that you're gonna see. I, I don't know what year it was. It was probably, uh, I would guess it was probably six or seven years ago that we did it. Um, but anyway, so so it's on YouTube. And I've gotten, I, I don't know how many total comments there are on it, but there's a lot. Um, most of them have been pretty positive. Um, and YouTube in itself is an interesting little animal because there's a, there's a video that we have that's probably our most viewed video. Um, there's a lot of negative comments on it or or attacking comments I would call it. Um, I teach I it's a heel video and I put a correction on a dog. I put a pretty strong correction on a dog that's really rambunctious and really a problem and struggle for its owner. And then uh, I made a firm correction and then the dog just totally melted and responded. And I, th I and when I wa I've watched it a million times and I was like God I just so people don't like that one. A lot of people don't like that one, but a lot, but a fair amount of people said this is this is exactly what I needed. So I've come to realize that on all social platforms, you're not going to make everybody happy, and used to really bother me, used to offend me. Um, I used to become very defensive and and combative about it, and I've realized, boy, that's a waste of energy and time. Um, so I I typically don't, but this, and I'm not going to say this is a, an attacking one by any means. Um, in fact, I messaged back to this. So I got a comment about the hold conditioning video. Um, and the name of our video is Hold Conditioning Gun Dog Delivery Without Forced Fetch. That's that's the title. Um, there's keyword search stuff in there, intentional. But that's what, it's, that's what it shows up for. I'm guessing this guy did not search it out. I'm guessing it came up as a recommended video. He watched it. Um, I think the guy's from Minnesota. His name is Min Ducker. So I think it's a Minnesota person. But so he took... I'm assuming it's a him. He took a fair amount of time to respond to it. Uh, he wrote a small book um, in reply. 
to, in comments. So I'm going to read it. So I've done this before. We do this all the time. We do we use questions that other people have or comments that other typically it's a question, but this is more of a comment. Um, and then we address it and we answer it in a podcast. And it usually is look if it's on one person's mind. Our hope is that it by sharing this this in this fashion it'll help more than just that person. Um, I got away from spending a lot of time and effort responding to negative comments or or things on social platforms because um, I just don't think it's the place to de- do a debate. I I don't I think it's really difficult to do. Um, it's a waste of time. It pisses me off. So it's all the stuff that reasons that I don't do it. I responded back to this guy and I said, thanks for sharing your thoughts. I respect the amount of time and thought you put into your comment. And I also respect the level of class you used while sharing it. I don't agree with it, but I definitely appreciate how it was delivered. For that reason, I, I think I owe you and others a reply. However, typing it out would be challenging for me to do in completeness. So I'm going to record a podcast about it. Uh, appreciate your input. Best of luck in your training. So. That's what we're going to do in this podcast. So I'm going to read you. And if you haven't watched the video, you can watch it to get a little bit of context. Um, otherwise, you if you've been listening or following our stuff, or you'll understand probably an idea of where I stand when it comes to force fetch, train retrieve, quote unquote, all that stuff, whatever you want to call it, versus what we call hold conditioning, which some people call it other stuff. And, and so I've got a little list of notes here of things that I think I want to touch on. Um, but I'm going to start out by just putting you in that in that spot where I read this message yesterday. And, and then I'll just start kind of picking it apart um, because there's a whole lot there. And that's where I feel like answering and responding. So I told him, I said, I'm going to do a podcast on it. So Min Ducker, I don't know if you're ever going to listen to this, but at least this is a way for me to share it. Now, it's not complete because there's no return feedback from you on it. So Counterpoint, counterpoint, that kind of debate. I don't mind a debate in person. As long as it's not like um, just ugly. Like I, I and, and, and I think in today's world, we see a lot of that. And I, that's a turnoff. So I enjoy a respectful one. So I, it's got my wheels turning a little bit. We've talked about doing this in the past. And maybe we're going to do it now. I talked to Ben about it this morning. I said, you know, I've talked about it with a couple other people that... Um, maybe it would be good to do a, a good, uh, honest debate, uh, if you will. Not, And it doesn't have to be f- real formal or structured, but like a conversation back and forth about two people that feel differently about it. And I, there's plenty of people that feel differently than I do about it that I could pick um, that would be really good, I think, and respectful. And I think that's the important part of it. So this is why we're here. So let me read this message from Min Ducker. He's, he's commenting to our force fetch video, or our hold conditioning video. This trainer seems biased against force breaking, the trained retrieve, or force fetch, which are all the same thing labeled with different names. At one point, he says his method of teaching hold will get you the same result as the trained retrieve. That statement is false. Teaching hold is merely the first step in instilling the trained retrieve. It's an essential step, but it's just the start of the process. Maybe this trainer hasn't seen anybody force break a dog correctly. Maybe he had a bad experience with another trainer due to a lack of knowledge or technique. But an experienced trainer that has successfully force 
trained multiple retrievers will accomplish the entire process with no more stress than what is shown in this video. The trainer does a good job, but kind of maybe makes a little bigger deal out of teaching hold than is actually needed. Some dogs will take a little longer than others, but overall it should be accomplished in a couple weeks max. With the trained retrieve, you teach the dog that fetch is a command that they must obey, just like hold, sit, heal, or hear. You would also associate the fetch command with back, or whatever command you use on a blind retrieve. If you teach hold as a command, but not fetch, you are depending only on the dog's desire and instinct to go make a retrieve. Honestly, 95% of the time that's sufficient if you have a high desire retriever. But once in a while, when there is confusion or uncertainty, the dog thinks that they have an option of not going out for a retrieve. What kind of things cause this? Usually in training, particularly on blind retrieves, sometimes the dog doesn't get what you're trying to teach and will balk because he's stressed due to the situation. Sometimes natural obstacles, high waves, heavy cover like cattails, your hunting buddy's dog, hunting out of a strange boat with new people, sometimes causes such confusion. Confusion for the dog and you with no actual command to communicate with the dog, more stress can follow. I've seen it happen several times. A customer with a well-bred, high-drive female black lab didn't want her dog force-trained until age two, derby age. She ended up missing the national derby list by one point because he caused confusion in training a couple times on memory birds on doubles. In the last two licensed derbies, she would not go for the second bird of the double. A shame and so easy to fix. She did just fine after force training at age two. She, won't, she won the first two qualifying stakes she ran and had all age ribbons when her owner decided to quit trialing and breed her. Another client with a similar well-bred black lab didn't think force, fetching, force training was needed. Dog did well until the first time it went to retrieve a large Canada goose. Dog was confused, wouldn't pick it up, and after the owner got tired of hollering fetch at the dog, the dog would actually run the other direction when the owner would toss up the bird. Again, force fetch eliminated this problem. Bottom line, your commands and your tools are your used to train your dog, correct your dog, and control your dog. With the fetch command, your without fetch command, your toolbox isn't complete. So, as you can tell by what I just read, he put a lot of thought into that, and I appreciate that. So let's go into it, because I don't agree with it in a lot of situations. So here's, here's where I'll start. And, and I, I don't want to go on. I'm going to try not to go down a ton of rabbit holes, and I do have to limit it time-wise a little bit, because i got to go pick my daughter up from school. So... I'm gonna, I want to, but I want to break this down and I want to do a good job with it because I do feel like I owe this guy that. And I feel like this is probably a really good, um, forced, no, no pun intended, this is a good way to force me to discuss something that sometimes in my life I have been no issue whatsoever about addressing things like this. They're a little bit salty. They're a little bit, you know, there's a little friction there. There's a little bit of, uh, um, you know, it can it can be a little bit spicy. <laughs> I, I know it doesn't sound like that for some people, but uh, I've gotten to the point where sometimes I avoid that stuff because I go, "What do I have to gain by going through it? Uh, my stress levels aren't don't need it." 
But I also think that when it's done well and appropriately, it's probably beneficial. And you know what? Sometimes you have to talk about the elephant in the room. I just wrote an article about training collars. I don't want to go on another tangent, but maybe we will at some point. But like that was an elephant in the room for me with a setter because everyone that knows anything about it you know, you, well, you have to have a collar to train those types of dogs. I'm doing it without the collar. Now I got one, but you'll have to read the article to understand more about that. But let's get back to this. So let's, he starts out with, this trainer seems biased against force breaking. Well, I, I think that biased is not the right word because technically the, the definition of biased means it's not fairly, <laughs> you're not fairly making assumptions. And I think that I do fairly make the assumption or make the decision for or against this particular conversation. I think it's fair to say that I am against what I believe is unnecessary pressure put on a dog. So I I think that the idea of, we're going to call it force fetch, um, I just don't think it's necessary. And I don't think that's not fair for me to say it. So you're right. I am against it because I don't think it's necessary. I know it's effective. I know it works with certain dogs. I know for a fact that with my dogs, I don't believe it would. I think it would create a lot of issues. Um, and we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll talk about the reasons behind that here coming up too. But, um, it's in you say at one point he says his method of teaching whole will get you the same results as the trained retrieve. That's a false statement. Well, I think it, I think that that's a bold statement on your end to say that my statement is false. Maybe my statement is a little bold as well. I think it depends on what your definition of what hold conditioning and what force fetching is. And what's the objective of it? So like I, I have a big, this is where the conversation would be interesting because I would ask you, well, what's your objective with force fetch? Because if you ask me what my objective with hold conditioning is, is it's to create reliable delivery. That's, that's my purpose with hold conditioning is to get a dog to, and so some of the symptoms that it would, would alleviate were the, would be things like dropping it, would be things like running off with it, would be things like victory laps would be things like chomping and hard mouthing and playing and just fooling off when they should be bringing it back to me. So when I say reliable delivery, I mean this. When I send the dog, this, when I teach a dog hold conditioning, it has nothing to do with what precedes the retrieve. It has everything to do with what follows once the dog has made the retrieve. Like I want the dog to bring it right back to me. That's what I get out of hold. So what do you get out of force fetch? I don't know. But what you've described in this, and we're going to break it down, it's not exactly what I'm saying I'm using hold conditioning for. So to say that hold conditioning will get you the same result as the trained retrieve, no, I, I think it will. I do think that if, if the trained retrieve means delivery. But what I think is missing here is your... What some of you, what I'm assuming some of your stuff is, is it has more to do with the retrieve than just the delivery, where hold for me is the delivery. So I just want to put that out there and be very clear on the definition of what hold conditioning is for me and what it does for me. So 
we'll, I think we'll be touching on that more, especially with some of your examples down in the bottom. Uh, now, it, you mentioned that it's an essential step in the process for force fetch. So I like that. I, I, and I understand that. And I've seen that. And I, I do it a little bit different. I don't stick a glove in the dog's mouth and let him mouth my hand. I see a lot of guys do that. And I'm not saying everybody does that, but I see it all the time. To me, it's, that's silly. I don't think it's necessary. Um, so I, I think hold starts a lot of force fetch for a lot of people, but not the same as what I'm doing. So I think you got to look at the, the the similarities in the name, but the differences in the action. So you said maybe this trainer hasn't seen anybody force break a dog correctly. I don't know if I you're, you're right there. I don't know that I've ever seen anyone force break a dog correctly because I don't know if there's a correct way to do it. That's my personal opinion. I just don't know that I believe there's a correct way to do it when it comes to putting pressure on the dog with the ear pinch or the toe hitch, and or the collar. So I don't care how you do it. If that is part of your process, I don't think it's correct. So maybe you're right. Maybe I haven't seen it. Maybe I've had bad experiences with another trainer due to a lack of knowledge or technique. That could be. But I think what you say then is an experienced trainer that has successfully forced trained multiple retrievers will accomplish the entire process with no more stress than shown in that video. I disagree greatly with that. I have no, Well, I've never seen it. So I would love to, I would enjoy seeing somebody do quote unquote force fetch, retrieve, train, what train, retrieve, whatever you want to call it, without putting any more pressure than a firm no. Because I, I definitely put pressure on the dogs through this. I firm them, I firm up with them. I use tone. I use my hand. I'll firm up underneath the dog's chin. I will put physical lift underneath their chin. But I, I don't think. I've never seen anybody do quote unquote force fetch without exceeding that. So I, I, that's a disagreement on my part. Um, next thing you say is does a nice job of explaining that, but I make a bigger deal out of teaching hold than is actually needed. Some dogs will need a little bit longer, but it should be accomplished in a matter of a few weeks max. So I think that that is a really a, another bold statement. If you watch, and, and I'm not, and I'm assuming that you probably don't watch much of our content, um, but if you did, and those that are listening to this probably have heard me say it over and over and over again, um, I wrote an article called "Great Trainers Know No Time." Uh, it was years ago. I wrote that. It the the idea is I don't gauge or measure much or anything when it comes to training a dog based on time, based on duration, based on repetition. So I think when you start putting time limits of it shouldn't take more than this, it won't take more than this, we can do it in this, I think it's a red flag to me because I just don't believe in the idea of anything anything with a dog should, nothing should be predicated on time as we measure it. So that's to me, that's another difference that I have. Uh, you teach the dog that fetches a command that they must obey, like hold, sit, stay, or here. You would associate fetch with the command back. Now, here's where we're talking about a little bit different. So for me, I don't think, I've never, ever, and I've trained a bunch of them. I've never had a dog that I couldn't figure out how to go and get the retrieve. Like, I've never had a dog... These are retrievers. It's their last name. Like dogs retrieve. It's the idea for hold. It, it, it is polishing. It is shaping. It is making it exactly how we want it. It's taking what the dog does naturally, which is goes out to make retrieves 
and it's polishing it to shape it to look like we want from a delivery standpoint. That's my definition of it. You have created now a process where you're physically sending the dog out. I don't think it's necessary. I, I think that, especially with well-bred, but I, I you know, that that's a that's a whole other slippery slope. I, I've seen beagles who are not, we had a beagle here uh, at our workshop um, this spring, retrieved like a machine. Not bred for retrieving, tracking dog um, by nature, but retrieved beautifully. Um, shepherd dog, not necessarily a natural retriever. I've trained a, trained a few and seen a bunch. Really good natural retrievers. Go to the ball. I mean, all you have to do is go to a dog park and watch them throw frisbees, sticks, balls. I don't know any of them. Very few of them are gone through a forced fetch process to get that dog to go out and get the object. So I really strongly disagree with the idea. I think the issue that happens when you get dogs that are sticky, and we're going to start talking about that as we get into one of the examples of a dog that would not go for the retrieve. I think that is 100% due to too much pressure. That's that's. I, I think the dog... I've never had a dog. I've, I've talked with a lot of guys that... Um, and so now we're getting into another thing. I... We quickly went into, we led into with your examples, the idea of derby. So now we're starting to talk about competition dogs. So when we start talking about the idea of a derby dog or a field trial, I want to remind everybody that's listening to this that that's a different animal playing a different game. I shouldn't say it's a different animal. It's the same animal, but it's playing a very different game. And so the idea of the overall process of training for some changes versus what the path I take with what I train as gun dogs. They're, they're, they're hunting dogs. So could we compete with those? Yes. C can the field trial dog hunt? Yes. Do more dogs in the field trial hunt or not hunt? That's up for debate. I know most of the ones that I know are not real proficient hunters. Very Some of them don't want them to hunt. They don't want them in the field hunting because they're not going to take away from what they've worked so hard for to compete at a very high level. But when we start thinking about what those field trials are built around is it's not natural. It's not very natural and it's not very relatable to my hunting. Now, I know that's going to piss off a lot of people, but I want to be honest about it. When you ask a dog to do some of the things that you ask them to do in competition, it goes against very natural things. And in order to get that, that's why I think field trials are very impressive. And I don't care if they're hunt tests or field trials, whatever it is. Yeah. All the competition stuff. They're very impressive. Most impressive part about it is the training. Because you're getting dogs to do things that just aren't natural. So how do you do that? Well, you don't nurture the, nat the natural part of them. So what do you do? You do some avoidance stuff. Like that's this force fetch, I think, is like this gateway into avoidance style training. It's teaching a dog to avoid pain by making the right choice behavior-wise. I mean, that's, that's being honest. So the idea that I think comes with it is an impulsive or compulsive behavior. Impulsive meaning... And I looked this up because I was like, well, it's, it's kind of like an impulsive behavior. It's acting or doing without forethought. It means it's just becoming 
natural, right? Like it's instinctual. Well, that's not instinctual for dogs to do things that you're asking them to do. So we need to, you, you guys need to figure out a way to get them to do it. Now that's impulsive. So you're doing it without forethought. You're just going, just go, just go, just go. You go because you know what's coming if you don't go. Now compulsive, on the other hand, is resulting from a relating or irresistible urge, especially one that's against one's conscious wishes. So you're doing something, so compulsive behavior is something that you're just doing it out of compulsion. And so when I see force fetch and I see the process and I see these dogs snatching things up off the ground like very quickly at the, at the hint of the, son, the, the command fetch, I don't like that. I don't like anything about it <laughs> compulsion-wise because I see compulsive behaviors becoming issues. Like my little girl, I see dogs snatch things out of my kids' hands. I don't want that. I want, when someone gives, a, gives my dogs a treat, like I was at the vet, I don't do treats. So a whole other can of worms. But my, I was at the vet and they said, or I was at a buddy's cabin the other weekend and he said, can I give your dog a treat? He said, well, it might be the first one she's ever gotten. Like she doesn't get a lot of treats. I don't do a lot of treats. So he said, oh, I got a little jar of biscuits here. So he goes and gets his biscuit and he comes over and he reaches out to my dog and my dog reached in slow motion and took it out of his hand so gently and nice and held it and didn't know what to do with it. She didn't even eat it. I had to like tell her, it's okay, go ahead. And then she, she slowly ate it. Really nice. I like that. Very controlled, very easy to handle. Where I have friends that do some treat training stuff and I, my kids are warned, don't give the dog anything. Because it's gonna, it's gonna just about take the fingers off the little kid. And it will. It's compulsive. And so I don't like that style of training. That, and I think that that is what a lot this force fetching is doing. I mean, is it effective? Sure. For sure. Is it necessary? I don't think so. So now we start talking about if you're revolving around field trials and trial competitions, there's, you're talking about a completely different game. So I think that your, your definition, your, your explanation of the dog that wouldn't go on a second retrieve, I don't think that's an issue with the dog ha having delivery, which is what I, have whole, what I do whole conditioning for. I think you got a problem sending your dog. And the reason you got a problem sending your dog is because there's something that you've gotten into that dog's head that doesn't trust you, that has some type of a confidence issue. That has nothing to do. So what is your, you're saying force fetch fixes that. Force fetch fixes a problem that you've created somewhere else in training that shouldn't be there in the first place. When I point a dog and say go and send them, it's pretty relaxed and it's pretty soft. And the reason they go is willing because they're retrievers and they go, I know what this means. Point, go, get something. That doesn't have anything to do with hold conditioning. So the, the examples that you've given me that are calling out why my thing is not true, I, I just don't see the connection. I understand your fixing will fix it. So we're going to take a problem that we've created somewhere along the line and fix it with what I think is a pretty non, it's a, not a real, I don't want to say non-friendly, but I don't like, I don't like the idea of the pressure that you're putting on those dogs. And I think it will, so going back to my dogs, you couldn't do it. My dogs would absolutely not do it. My dogs would quit. And so you might say, well, your dogs are too soft. 
And I would say that's a preference thing. So I'm not saying that you that force fetching doesn't work. I'm saying you got to have the right dog to do it with. And the problem that I see with that is that's not the right dog for me. And most of the people that listen to this podcast, I'm going to say it's not the right dog for them. Now, the few that are into the elite high-end field trial stuff that have to put their dogs through some very, very intense stuff to win a ribbon, if that's what you want to do, do it. But my issue with it is, is when it becomes what field trials were originally built for was to determine and engage and, and measure dogs for the breed, for bettering the breed. And if you look at historically when field trials started, it was to produce a hunting dog. I think that that's shifted greatly. I think that we are we have a lot of separation between the classic hunting dog and the, the field trial dog, especially on a really high level. Now on the lower level stuff, I think that's a wholly different, totally different thing. Like the very entry level type stuff, that's a different thing. But those aren't the dogs that are, the, I don't know that those are the dogs that are carrying the, the breeding uh, leverage that the ones with the, the biggest and the best titles are. Now that's a totally different subject, but I think it's connected to the style of training that you're saying is necessary. And I don't think it is. And I, and I don't think it should be, personally. Now, the second example is the Canada Goose. Dog won't pick up a Canada Goose. The dog was confused, won't pick it up. And after the owner got tired of hollering fetch at the dog, the dog actually ran the other direction. Force fetch eliminated this problem. That's not a hold conditioning problem. If you take your dog and put them in a situation that they are not comfortable with because you didn't prepare them for it, that's the problem. It has nothing to do... Again, the idea of forcing the dog through things that they're not comfortable with by putting more and more and more pressure on is one way of doing it that I don't agree with and I don't think is necessary. Would it work with some dogs? Okay, sure, yeah. With this one, you said it did. But I look at it and I go, did you really need to do it? Let's back that train up and say, maybe we should have taken the Canada Goose frozen. I mean, I've done... I just posted a couple videos about how to introduce the dog before September 1st when you go out there and shoot that goose. How do you start your dog on a goose? So I showed several dogs that we did it with. And some of them it took a while and some of it they jumped on it right away and picked it up. Very different personalities and styles of dogs. But there's a process that I take to get in a dog to pick up a goose. And it's not by saying, you're going to do it, goddammit, or I'm putting the pressure on. I'm lighting you up. I'm pinching your ears. I'm, no, 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 no. Not necessary. Absolutely not necessary. So I think that those are, that's really my feeling on it. It's just, we're talking about two very different things and you you have to be careful not to overlap the idea and recognize that I totally get it. People have other objection, objectives with their dogs than what I do, for sure. And I used to say, and hell, I don't even know, I haven't watched this video for a long time. I might even say it in that video that I, I'm against people doing it. Am I as a rule? Yeah, I guess I am. Should I have said that? Probably not. Should I Should I tell someone else how to raise their kids? No. Should I tell someone else how to raise their dog? No. My job is not to do that. That's Ask me that 10 years ago and I won't tell you that. I've changed. You're watching some dated information. If you watch more, if you watch more and more and more, you'll understand more and more and more how... It, I probably needed I probably do need to take a different approach at times. I I have to look at it and go, 
If that works for you, great. I'm not here to convince you not to do it. What I am here to do is help those that don't want to do it that way and don't know that there is another way to do it. So I think I cover it there. I, I think it was a great I think it was a great comment that you made. I think you you and and I truly appreciate it. I just feel like this is the best way for me to to counter some of that and realize that you know what? We disagree. It doesn't mean if you and I had a beer together, so you're from Minnesota, if I I, I could bet you a, a case of Mick Golden Lights and and uh, grain belts. I bet you that if we sat down in a camp together, a hunting camp, and had some of those beers together, we'd probably leave there going, boy, he's a pretty good dude. You're a pretty good dude. And you'd probably think, he's not so bad either. You might think, your dogs are soft. You might think that about me. I might look at it and go, I don't like that style of dog. I'm not interested in a dog with that that's wound that tight. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But I bet... The, rea- the, the, pro- the problem is, is if I become so standoffish and, and stuck in my ways and so stuck in a rut that I, I don't try to understand your perspective of where you're coming from, it doesn't mean I have to agree with it, and it doesn't mean you have to agree with mine. But I think it's important that we respect each other on it. So uh, that's a podcast episode here that we turned from YouTube into podcast. I enjoyed it. I like it. I wish I had a little more time because I probably would have rambled a little bit more. Um, I got to run. I got to get go get my little one from school. But um, Min Ducker, thank you for, for throwing that out there. And, and uh, you got my wheels turning a little bit. You got me... Um, trying to mature a little bit and be, be more adult. I mean, I'm getting old, so it's time I, I finally catch up with that. But um, thank you for that. I appreciate it. And guys, I appreciate you guys listening. So if you do me a favor, if you get value out of this, if you do me one favor, uh, like and share whatever it is you're listening to this on. If you leave a, a, I shouldn't say that, like or share, you should, if you'd leave a review. I think that is the key for us as a small, small, small company with a relatively organic um, distribution platform like we have it's the best way for us to be able to get in front of hopefully more people with the intentions of helping them so uh, if you would be willing to do that I'd greatly appreciate it Min Ducker appreciate it I sent you a message on YouTube that said I'm going to be recording this I'll have this over to the guys and hopefully this goes live pretty quickly so thank you guys I appreciate the support as always